Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. God help you if you use voiceover in your work, my friends. God help you. It's flaccid, sloppy writing. I don't want you to be the guy in the PG-13 movie. Everyone's really hoping makes it happen. I want you to be like the guy in the rated R movie, you know? The guy you're not sure whether or not you like yet. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I'm Lee Carlo here with Chapin Hemingway. Hello. Just the two of us this week, Chapin. Um, Jeremy's still underwater on a film he's working on, feature film. Uh, we, of course, want to thank Brantley from, for filling in last week on the Kerry podcast, which you can catch on iTunes. And this week we are going to do, be discussing A Star is Born. Uh, which has been in theaters for a little bit a little bit now, but is I think certainly uh, still kind of garnering the um, front runner type acclaim for Oscar season, um, which we're cer- certainly starting to see a lot of movies come out um, this time of year for. And after a Star <laughs> is Born, we're going to discuss um, a little bit on performances in movies by non-actors. Of course, Lady Gaga is one of the stars in A Star is Born, so that will lead us into that conversation. And then we'll top everything off with our top five drunks in movies. In movies, we have to uh, emphasize that. Don't want to include ourselves here. Yeah. (laughs) I'm enjoying a nice glass of vino at the moment. I'm having a lemon LaCroix. Oh, my God. You can cut that out if you choose. (laughs) Maybe it's time to let the old ways down Maybe it's time to let the old ways down Takes a lot to change, man Hell, it takes a lot to try You know, man, in the old days I always knew, like, you were gonna do something That you'd be all right it's the first time I'm worried about you. Can I ask you a personal question? Okay. Tell me something, girl. Do you write songs or anything? I don't sing my own songs. Why? I just don't feel comfortable. Why wouldn't you feel comfortable? Almost every single person has told me they liked the way I sounded, but that they didn't like the way I look. I think you're beautiful. What? I just want to take another look at you. So, as always, we uh, start these conversations off with a question that um, isn't necessarily having anything to do with our thoughts on the movie. So, that having been said, I do want to preface this a little bit that I I don't want this to provide any insight towards my feelings uh, about the movie one way or another. And you'll kind of understand why I say that, because we will get into it. I actually thought of this question um after having seen the trailer for this movie several times before I actually saw it. So it's not a representation of my feelings towards the movie. But the broad question is, uh, can a specific aspect of a movie end up garnering a false credit for that movie as a whole? So, for example, a lot of times you see this with a performance, and the movie that came to mind was was Crazy Heart with Jeff Bridges, which was an amazing performance. The movie was not particularly good, but I think it gathered a lot of praise for that reason. Um, you can see it sometimes happen with cinematography, the you know beautiful cinematography, and the movie ends up you know really getting a lot of credit. And here, I think with A Star is Born, you have a little bit of that with a song or the music in general. Um, I think we can agree that Shallow, uh, that kind of main song in it, is a lock to win the Fixie for best song. Um, Didn't know that and, was a fixie category, but um, maybe it well, will have to be now. <laughs> it, well, of course. Um, See, I prefer the other one. I prefer the one um, where he goes, maybe it's time to let the old ways die. I, I like that right. one. That's the one I like. The Bradley Cooper's song at the beginning. Yeah. Or the first one you hear. Yeah. So, But basically that all kind of encapsulates what I'm talking about is that those concert scenes in the movie are fantastic and the music is great. Uh, and I have to admit, I, I listened to Shallow afterwards. I don't know what that says about me, but I kind of wanted to just hear the song again. It's catchy. Um, so, you know, uh, my main question is, you know, kind of that broader idea of can something like that 
garner a false credit for a movie or is that is that unfair to say and then i guess that will lead into a discussion about whether or not that happened here um i i definitely i don't i mean i think you're right about different aspects of it your the crazy heart example is a great one of uh uh, uh a rather average movie as i recall it you know however long ago that movie came out and a really great performance that kind of elevated the movie and made it seem a lot more important than it was and certainly that director scott cooper has gotten a lot of <laughs> a lot of um you know, sort of traction off of that first movie. He now he's he's sort of seen as this kind of top director. Um, you know, and to be a, clear, we're talking about Maggie Gyllenhaal's performance in that movie, right? Her brilliant performance in Crazy Heart. No, I thought we were talking about her in um, uh, the Return, the Dark Knight. Um, oh, which that's I know, is one, true. One of Man, your favorite. Yeah. It's um, a no, coin flip. Between no, no, those no. Two. Uh, we're talking, of course, about Jeff Bridges, who I believe won the Oscar for that role, um, deservedly so. Yes. But that's a great a great example. Like. Um, uh, but I, I, I would say I don't I don't know that a song can do that. Um, I, you know, I know that a, a really popular song was that uh, particular number from um, Frozen a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I that that move that did not make me want to see Frozen anymore than uh, it did before that song came out. Um, I, I, I don't I don't think a song can can do that. And I, I assume you're talking about the song, right? I mean, I think the song is great. I've been I think it's a, a little bit different. Maybe to get to your point is that this is a whole soundtrack. You've got like, you've got a like a like one of the top pop stars um, in the world who's now acting, uh, kind of producing and creating this soundtrack where that's got a lot of traction on um, Spotify, and I think the um, "Shallow" is the number one song on iTunes at the moment. Um, and so I think it can definitely create like a buzz, which is great, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's like a free marketing tool in a way. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't free to produce the, the music, but the movie, right, right. You know, making the movie, they made all this music and the music was obviously very important to the movie, much like, um, like I remember, uh, Oh Brother, We're Out That Way, where uh, T-Bone Pickett, or I think that's his name, or I forget that guy's name, but like, um, I think it's T-Bone Burnett, excuse me, um, produced that album and then went on to do the Johnny Cash movie and you know like they can get a lot of traction and they can ride a wave of um of kind of popularity from from a a, a soundtrack and in this case this in this movie that soundtrack was rather important yeah and i think that's absolutely right and i agree it's a it's it's a good thing that like you know if there's something about a movie that gets people to go see it whether that's the, the hype around a performance or whether that's the soundtrack then that's great but what i think is different about a song in particular, in a, or a soundtrack in the the collection of songs in this movie is that, and it's a credit a bit to Bradley Cooper here, but that the way that they're shot and the way that you are led up to them, you are legitimately swept up in the emotions of those scenes, and the music is great, and Lady Gaga is a great singer, and she really, you know, emphasizes those scenes in a way that maybe only a great singer can do, and I think it's very easy to kind of lose the rest of the movie behind those types of things, you know, especially when they come at such pivotal points in the movie. You know, her first scene on stage is a turning point in her life. And then the final scene is, uh, you know, the culmination of basically her entire relationship with not only Bradley Cooper's character, but this industry and, you know, who she's become. And because they are in such pivotal moments and the entire scene is the entire song, you know, I can see you just getting wrapped up in that music and and those lyrics and forgetting about the little bits and pieces that are necessary to make a good movie. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I mean, I I know you guys, we always kind of disagreed about this back in the day, especially me and Jeremy, but like, I always thought in my kind of, you know, (laughs) sort of pretentious film school days that like, you know, adding music to movies was like in a way kind of cheating, right? Because music Mm -hmm, on its own is so moving and, um, sort of it makes you you know feel very emotional very easily and very quickly and so when you put that into a movie um, you know it can kind of it's kind of like doing the work for you you know it's not a particularly creative way to get to an emotional crescendo um, but it but you know I've sort of softened on that point of view since then and I understand its importance I'm still a little dubious of music and movies and stuff like that but um, 
That being said, I mean, I hate musicals. I can't stand, I couldn't stand that awful movie, um, uh, uh, like Les Miserables. Um, I, I don't really care for musicals on the stage either, where I feel like they're a little bit more appropriate. Um, and I think, you know, going into this movie, I, I was nervous. I mean, I'd heard the music before, but I, I, I wouldn't say I was nervous, but like, I, I'm still, I still don't know how I feel about how much music was in the movie. And I don't know if I can tell you right now. Like it was a pivotal aspect of the movie. Obviously, the the, the structure and and the um, the plot of the movie revolves around music. But um, I think also sort of differently than a movie like this than say, as I recall, Crazy Heart and some other movies being the songs and the sort of the collaboration between the two were a little bit more, you know, pivotal to the sort of emotional uh, structure of the movie. And you know, I. I because I am a little, I don't know, a little um, misanthropic when it comes to music. Um, I, I I did not warm to those scenes quite as much as maybe everybody else who saw the movie did. Um, and I was kind of waiting for the more dramatic moments to happen. Um, and so that's my answer to that question. Okay. So, I mean, then that's a good segue because there certainly were many, many, many dramatic moments throughout this movie that had nothing to do with uh the concerts or the music or the singing um so what did you think of how those and and i i, we, I definitely think we should get into bradley cooper's direction since he is the first time director and sure um and everything but with that aside just kind of as a movie and your thoughts you know this is a super melodramatic movie there's a lot of brooding and a lot of you know uh hemingway-esque and i mean that chapin hemingway-esque uh <laughs> story <laughs> storylines in this movie um so uh wh- how, how did you feel about that especially since you know th- the music elements didn't you know allow any reprieve for you it seems um yeah no i mean um i kind of wish it was darker to be honest <laughs> interesting yeah um but I, I i think i mean i think this movie was melodramatic in other ways too like it was just i mean it's a it's a romance to begin with i don't know i mean we don't want to get into the you're you're saying we shouldn't get into the what we think of the movie yet like no what? no no i think we should i think i i just don't want to get quite like i don't think we should delve too deep into I mean, it's sort of inevitable, but Bradley Cooper's direction. Here. Yeah, like no. let's, but let's definitely get into our thoughts on the movie. Um, one one thing that I, I remember him saying, and we I know we, we'll get, talk about him as a director later, but he was answering this from the perspective of a, of a director. But one thing that he kept repeating in in all, a lot of the interviews that I saw him saying was this idea of like what celebrity is like, and this idea of like he, for him it was like this constant noise and then like silence, you know. Um, and to him, that kind of encompassed what celebrity was in his mind, right? And that he does that in the opening scene where it's like, you know, Jackson Maine is performing and um, he's kind of ushered off the stage afterwards and then into a black SUV and it's silence. You know, it's all this noise mm-hmm. and then silence. And I thought, like, that really was what I was looking forward to about this movie was like a like a meditation on celebrity and careers and what that's like for people like that and... I thought that was really, really um, effective. I mean, I think that uh, they, they, he did a really nice job of that. And and once I sort of listened to those interviews with him, it, 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 I wish I had seen the movie again before we did the podcast, and I'd like to see it again, um, and just in general. But um, to me, those those elements stand out uh, among uh, beyond the others. So that's interesting. I had sort of an opposite reaction, and I didn't go into it with any expectation of you know that idea of that you know this is an insight onto into kind of a celebrity behind the scenes and what goes on in their mind and like what it is from their perspective so and i really actually had very little expectation going into this movie in terms of what this was going to be about Hmm. um had you seen any of the other ones no i haven't and me me either and I really didn't know much about it other than, you know, um, you know, uh, a successful singer with an alcohol problem, you know, kind of ushers in a, a, a new star. That's basically the tagline that I knew. And so 
I was just sort of following this movie as it went. And this movie begins ultimately with a really, really interesting character study of Allie, I think. Um, she is, I think, in the first hour or so of this movie, which I thought was excellent, she is, you know, really interesting and relatable and, you know, insecure. And I thought it was really, really interesting to watch. And there's this fantastic shot that they have her first time on stage where she finally comes out and she's singing that song, Shallow, and she covers her eyes. Yeah. In that moment, and she's like, I can't believe that this is happening for me. And it's this perfect representation of her anxiety, her vulnerability, her insecurities. And it's all there in that one shot. And, and that was where it ended. After that, she became famous, and it was, and she became uninteresting, and it was a different movie. And I just, I wasn't, and, and I felt like, again, this got back to a little bit of the issues I had with Bradley Cooper's direction, but the i was uninterested in the life of the celebrity and the star and the behind the scenes look it, hmm. to me that was it was kind of stale hmm. yeah no i mean um i i agree with you i i, I think uh, i mean i was i was excited when that turn happened like i i tried to because i was very excited to see this movie but i tried to stay away from kind of spoilers and everything um before going into it so i did not know that you know, we were going to see her. I mean, the, the sort of the progression of time in this movie is an inter- was it was done kind of interestingly, and I think we should talk about that later. But I, I didn't have any idea like that we were going to go that far into her life, right? Or rather, her success. But I guess I was more interested in Bradley Cooper's character from that perspective, like this guy who's been a celebrity for a while and kind of is resistant to the idea. Um, but you know, it's his profession, and I know there's you know, I think the the past movies were they sort of juxtapose her rise with his fall a little bit more. And I don't think they did that quite as much here, but like, you know, he's not, he's someone uncomfortable with celebrity and, um, that's what interested me. I wasn't interested really in how she developed, although I think there is, there is that sort of second half of the movie has a lot to say about the, the music industry today. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think more, it was more his character. But yeah, I agree with you. Like I thought she I mean, I thought she was great. Like Lady Gaga did a really great job in that first half I mean, throughout the whole movie, but in that first half in particular, I think like she's got like the choices she made as an actress were really interesting to me and um I was I thought yeah, the, that kind of the the first hour or so is almost like a it's almost like their first date really and and yeah, they're, they're getting to know each other. Um and I thought that was sort of, you know, surprisingly stimulating. Yeah, and I, and what I really think was interesting, in, in especially towards that second half, and I agree with you that Lady Gaga was good. I think she has her some really great moments, and there were also some moments for me, at least, where I felt I could see her inexperience. But, but Bradley Cooper's performance for me was really what allowed this movie to just become, you know, to put it, a bit too bluntly is watchable in that second half because there was always this question with him that I had from the very beginning about, you know, his, his true intentions and his true feelings when it came to his relationship with, with Allie. And they bring it up later when he gets out of rehab and he's sober and she kind of says like, I understand if you don't still want to be with me, you've never been with me sober before. And he says, you know, of course I do. And like, but I had that same kind of question all along, like, especially when they first meet, like, you know, is he really into her is, or is he just kind of a drunk and like, doesn't really care what's going on. Like you don't ever get a real good glimpse into his psyche. And I think that's intentional. And I think that comes across great. And that's what I think makes the, the second half of this movie really interesting. Although I, you know, I feel like the jealous, you know, fading star, versus the uprising star is was a little stale and poorly done but i gave it a pass because i think their relationship was what the movie was really trying to focus on Mm -hmm. and how that was changing and how he was handling that and how he was supportive but he was kind of you know falling apart uh you know with his alcoholism and I, i give cooper a ton of credit for that because it was on the page but i think without his performance that's gone and that was what held the 
you know, second half of this movie together for me because, like I said, I, I lost interest in Allie. She was the character I was on board with at the beginning, but then it became more about uh, about Cooper's character. But do, do you think that you were supposed to lose interest in her? No, I don't. You don't? I mean, because well, that's they... a good question. Because, I don't know. That's a good question because she does, like, fall into, you know, with her manager. She sort of, she says, she's like, I don't want to change my hair, and then she kind of does, and, like, so she sort of falls into that trap. So maybe you are supposed to, but they keep coming back to scenes where she's like, you know, her her husband. You know, eventually they get married, and her husband is, you know, important and like, you know, she's embarrassed, but she's not like when when Cooper, you know, falls apart on the stage at the Grammys, which I thought was way too much. You know, she's she's still protecting him. So like, there's still that same alley there. So I think there, I think we are still supposed to care about her in the same way we did, and maybe there's a, a change that we're supposed to recognize at the same time that wasn't done as well as it should have. But mm. it's a good question because I think you're right that the the change is so drastic as she gets more and more famous that maybe we are supposed to find her a little bit less interesting, and that's the point. Like she is actually becoming less interesting, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think she becomes any less endearing. She seems to be still be a kind of a like a she she retains her her sort of you know I wouldn't say quirky, but that kind of you know sort of unique personality. But she's still obviously very caring about him. But the movie shifts so much focus onto him, even though she's the one that's going through the changes and like experiencing all this. I mean, new stuff. The you know in the movie she's kind of just there like she, I mean the, there's those scenes where she you know can't record like is having trouble recording in the recording studio and the, the stuff with the dancing and stuff yeah but, it, but those were great scenes because that that went back to that same kind of like insecurity like she's never done this before like I don't know what I'm doing I don't belong here like that was also good and then like I know but know, I guess what just, I I mean it was good but I wanted I, it wasn't like she wasn't I mean I guess but like. Those scenes were not as as moving to me as I think I think they could have been, and I don't think that the movie wasn't about her at that point. It wasn't about the fact that like she wasn't struggling with that fame at all. Like it was all, she was just yeah okay. She doesn't want to dance, and she cut the dancers, and then nothing really happens with that. But like he's the one experiencing all the issues, which is which is fine. I mean that's interesting, but like I you know she just takes a back seat. I feel like in the second half. Am I wrong? No, you're right. I and I and I think that was intentional and. I think there is a answer to this and as to why it happened. And I think we should get into it. And it comes uh, with kind of my major issue with the um, directing of this movie by Bradley Cooper, which all, all things considered, I think he did a good job. But um, I think if I can critique one major thing, it's the pacing. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you mentioned kind of the, you know, how time goes by in this movie and it's a little sloppy, you know, it's and I and I I mean I don't know, you know that, the like, first hour I don't know that of this it's, movie is a date it's one night yeah and it's and it's so interesting you learn so much about the characters and then the next hour of the movie is like five years or something right yeah I mean it, 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 I don't, when you say it's sloppy I think I mean I don't know I don't necessarily disagree with you but I don't I don't it was a choice I feel like it was a clear yeah, choice that he made um but yeah, it was an interesting one because you you certainly you know for those who haven't seen it, uh, and you probably should have because we're probably going to spoil the shit out of it in a couple minutes. But um, you know, there's just there's no there's I mean there is I feel like there's pacing, but there isn't any sense of time. Like there, you just go you cut from you know one thing and then you cut to another shot of Lady Gaga in bed and and suddenly. Um, Bradley Cooper is there and like you don't really know how he got in the house and then they cut to five you know she's famous and she's got a billboard over Sunset Boulevard and they're in the Hotel Marmont and like that you know presumably it's many many months later because she's famous and has you know has has changed her hair but like there's no they're kind of just hard cuts right I mean yeah and and that's what and and not only that like those hard cuts in time 
were a cut from her on Saturday Night Live and then a cut to her winning a Grammy. Like, it was all such, like, big moments. Like, yeah. you you had such these, like, little, you know, personal moments. Like, this, this... And again, it was just this sort of one long personal moment, this first date of theirs that was so intimate. And, and then you just... It was just big scene after big scene. Like, her first concert and then her first solo performance, then Saturday Night Live and the Grammys and, like... And I just felt like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, it was just moment, moment, moment. But everything was, like, moment with a big hammer every single time instead of a little bit more subtlety. Mm -hmm. And you didn't get to kind of see those in-betweens where all those things were changing. And, you know, and maybe how their relation or how, you know, uh, Bradley Cooper's you know, drinking was deteriorating not only his life, but their relationship and everything around them. And you didn't really get to see it. You just, you knew it was happening because the movie had covered that, but it wasn't, it didn't feel genuine. Sure. Um, I have some questions for you, but I think I I have to tell you what I also didn't like about the movie. I think one thing that I really did not buy was the tension between um, Bradley Cooper and his brother played by Sam Elliott. Okay. Um, I have to say first, which was just really weird. The first like scene in this movie, and I had no idea Sam Elliott was in this movie until he showed up. The first scene when Bradley Cooper was talking, I'm like, why is he talking like Sam Elliott? <laughs> and then Sam Elliott turns the corner. I'm like, oh, he's in this movie. And then like two scenes later, he's like, you stole my voice. I'm like, oh, <laughs> <You> sure did. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> uh. But anyway, go ahead. Okay, so. Um so I didn't buy that tension, and spoiler alert, um, I did not buy the ending. I did not bo- buy the decision Bradley Cooper made to kill himself. Um, so maybe we can start with the first thing. But um, I don't know. Like, uh, they, uh, you know, they were clear that this guy's got some daddy issues, and they've all got some daddy issues. But like, I don't know. That just was not effectively conveyed, I think, to the audience. It did not capitalize on how dramatic and emotional you could make those scenes. Um, with him, um, I think with the one exception being when he uh, says goodbye to his brother, and or he said he uh, Bradley Cooper says, you know, it was you that I was admiring or trying to emulate or whatever, not dad. Or you know, I thought that was a moving moment, but um, I don't know. I just did not find those scenes very interesting. I did not understand. Um, I something about them did not work. Yeah, I I can't say I disagree. Um, Sam Elliott was great in this movie. Uh, I thought his performance was fantastic. Um, that scene that you're talking about when he says that it was you that I idolized, I agree that was a moving moment, but totally unearned. I And maybe sure, that is sure. indicative of, you know, me agreeing with what you're saying about their relationship as a whole. Like, you know, it, you sort of knew what he was going to say, first of all. And not that that's a bad thing, but um, yeah, I guess I agree with you. Like, I think... I thought it was an interesting dynamic between the two and an important one, but I felt like maybe that aspect needed another draft on the script um, to maybe find that missing piece. Um, Because you're right, the daddy issue is what kind of was the glue for that conflict. And that was sort of kind of on the surface. You know, it was, you know, their dad was a drunk and, you know Sam Elliott's character, of course, much older than Bradley Cooper, his half brother. He knew that, and Bradley Cooper didn't really understand when he was younger, I suppose, or was just uh, uh, intentionally oblivious to it. So you know, it was there. I just felt like, yeah, you're right. Maybe it needed um, some finishing touches to it. Well, I just think he had a. I I think the this the idea of. Um, of you know this this older brother and I mean it was an interesting dynamic that I'm not sure it was sort of you know maybe overly complicated for for no reason I mean maybe he just really wanted to cast Sam Elliott as that role and they had to figure out how they had this guy who was 30 <laughs> years older the, the thing but like you know just like just the idea of this this older brother watching his more successful younger brother who does the same thing as him succeed but also you know like try to kill himself with 
with drinking. That that's enough. I mean, you don't need these daddy issues. No, that's um, a good point. And um, but I don't think you know they kind of muddied the waters with that with, with the with that idea of like the land and oh they built a wind farm on the on our property or whatever and yeah, um, which was so glossed over. Like what a quick scene. Yeah, and to- you, you don't need that. I mean, you know. You, I think you know, maybe maybe the idea was these daddy issues are 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 more to having have more to do with his drinking um, and, well, and the, who he is as a person. But I just think that like uh, the tension between those two characters did not need to rely on that. It, it, there was enough there that they just didn't explore. Well, if I can defend it at all and play devil's advocate, I think so. The idea. Uh, basically, is that that Sam Elliott's character? What is his name in the movie? I can't remember. Uh, um, I think his name is anyway. Sam Elliott. <laughs> Sam Elliott. Um, the idea behind it is that he essentially raised uh, Bradley Cooper, right? Uh, because his dad was a drunk, and and Bradley Cooper Bobby doesn't name. remember it that way. He, you know, he feels like he. Raised, you know, was he, was raised by his dad, and that he had a had a relationship with his dad. And again, perhaps that's him being naive or intentionally oblivious to what was really going on. And so, I, I think what they felt like they needed to do was have a a reason for Bradley Cooper to feel that way, because Elliot's performance is so understated. Like that's what I liked about it so much. Like he doesn't co- ever come out really and say except for maybe one i think one scene where like he's mad at him you know he never comes out and says like you know dad was a drunk like i took care of you like it's not he he just kind of like he's had that conversation before the movie began you know and he just is kind of accepting almost or or resigned to the idea that cooper is a drunk just like their dad and you know, but he loves him and he raised him and he's always going to be there for him. And that's all sort of in the kind of uh, underlying aspects of the performance. But I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think they gave it that much credit. They felt like they needed another piece. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, I agree. And I mean, I think there's a lot unexplored there, too. You know, like the idea of being surrounded, you know, it's a common thing for celebrities to surround themselves with family and. Yeah. That can be good and bad, and the sycophantic nature of of that kind of stuff is is, is interesting, and I think a missed opportunity. Um, how about the ending for you? So I was okay with what happened. What I wasn't okay with is was the catalyst for it. With I guess that's what that's what the I, manager I like <laughs> telling him he's a fuck up and he's got to leave Allie alone. Like, come on, like you know, have a little subtlety like that that was what frustrated me and you know i i think that you know i i actually think without that you really would have been a lot more accepting of that ending because it would have been appropriate because he was going that way yeah i mean you almost wanted him to come to that conclusion on his own yeah and i think he would have and i think that would have been a lot more interesting and and again i, I we've talked about this before i think you know the, the idea of you know not totally knowing the ending of a story is interesting to me Mm -hmm. so you know this movie is tied up in a nice little bow it's a sad one but you know it he gets this speech from her manager about how he's gotta leave her alone he kills himself she sings the song that he wrote perfect you know (laughs) but (laughs) couldn't ask for a better (laughs) but uh (laughs) No, but, you know, I think there is something to be said about, you know, him getting sober and then, but, you know, and, and Cooper's performance was great and you saw that there. You knew everything that that manager told him that was probably true that it, it he probably couldn't hold on. And I think that's more interesting for us as an audience to explore that idea on our own, whether or not we ever see it happen. And, you know, we always talk about not being prescriptive and rewriting the movie's ending, which I'm not trying to do. But I just think, you know, it could have been so much more interesting to see, you know, she cancels her final tour. But it would have been much more interesting for her to go off on that tour. Yeah. And and, and that's the end of the movie. You see where, you know, he's sober now. He's out of rehab She's gone off and become famous. He's sort of just declined into a nobody now and totally humiliated himself and ruined any semblance of a career he had at the Grammys. And now what's going to happen to him? And I think that's that's a more interesting idea to explore. 
than to have it just written down for us. Yeah, totally. I mean, that whole character of the manager was baffling to me. I um, didn't mind him too much throughout the movie. It was sort of an, really? you know, I mean, it, it was a weak sort of one-dimensional character, but I really exactly. didn't totally mind him. I It was just that last scene where I was like, okay. I mean, I don't know. He was pretty one, you know, you could kind of see where he was going the whole time and it was a little, little one-dimensional, but there were, but there were also scenes with him where I felt like he was genuine and like did care about her success. Like, you know, the, the very first scene where he shows up and it, like, why do they always have to have an accent? Those like, right. <laughs> it's like the guy in almost famous. That's their, <laughs> their manager before, uh, before Jimmy Fallon shows up. Right. Yeah. But like, it's the same spiel. Like you're like, okay, this character is in every, every movie about a, a musician ever. And but I, I don't know. He's st- like maybe because he was in the movie more and he had more of an impact on like the direction it went. I felt like he didn't bother me as much. But that last scene is what lost me with him. Um, okay. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no. I mean, I'd like to get into a little bit of a discussion on performances or even more broadly the casting of non-actors in movies. Well, I wanted to ask you how far do you think this is gonna? Do you think this is gonna go? In the Oscar race, <clears throat> I think right now, if the Oscars were today, I think it would win Best Picture. Well, yeah, which I think is it's, unfortunate. They're not, they're not today. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I I'm behind, so um, got a lot to see still. Well, there's but also there's, a lot to come oh, out too. Well, the, and there's a lot of very very topical movies coming out this year. Is that really, like what like what are you, what? what uh, else? You, you have. Um, Beautiful Boy and Ben is Back, both about, you know, drug-addicted teens. You have Boy Erased, um, yep. about uh, with, also with Lucas Hedges, who's got to just pick... I want him to be in a comedy, just to, like so he can breathe for a second. Um, uh, but he plays a, a, a gay teenager whose parents are very religious and send him to uh, basically a scared straight school. Yeah, you have good. all these movies that coming out about... Um, uh, uh, police brutality and um, police killing black people. So I, there's a lot of that going on. So we'll see what the Oscars mood is on the night in question. Sure. Um, I'm looking forward to Widows. So, okay. So that to me is baffling. Like that movie looks like absolute crap, but it, that's it's directed by Steve McQueen. So it's getting good reviews. No idea what to expect. Like that does not look like a Steve McQueen. movie. No, no. Um, what about uh, acting? As far as who's putting in good performances this year? Do you think that they... I mean, I bet they will both be nominated, but you think I, they have a chance? I agree. I, so I don't think I was as high on Lady Gaga as everyone else was, and I think I'm higher on Bradley Cooper than I everyone am too. else is. I am too. I thought, um, he was, I thought he was great. I mean... I thought he was fantastic, yeah. And look, <laughs> this is coming from a one-time, big-time... Bradley Cooper hater. Yeah, I've you since, hate him. Uh, I don't anymore. I mean, I thought he was great in um, Silver Linings Playbook, and I went back and was, I watched that. We had a you really liked that movie, right? I remember it's Tyson. That was hated my favorite it, movie right? of yeah. that year. Yeah. I went back and revisited that, and God, he is so fucking good in that movie. He's I mean, great. He, he's yeah. almost better than I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I thought I, uh, that, uh, that I really thought Bradley Cooper was was fantastic in this movie, but I was like, God, if only Heath Ledger was still alive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if yeah. Heath Ledger was still alive, would 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 Bradley Cooper like be you know? He'd feel, still be in he, Wedding Crashers four, right? That's true. But would he be forced to cast uh, Heath Ledger in this in this role instead of himself? You know, like yeah. Did it's amazing the the like how, I mean, so this movie has been in in <clears throat> development for years. Yeah, this remake. And it's been, uh, Will Smith has been attached. Um, Beyonce. Well, so this is just the actors that have been attached are like Will Smith, Christian Bale, Russell Crowe, a ton of different people. And then stars, uh, uh, musicians, Beyonce, Rihanna, like uh, all sorts of um, pop stars have been attached to it. And not that Lady Gaga is any less of a pop star than Beyonce or Rihanna, but like for some reason, like Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga in this movie felt like perfect in these roles. I don't really know why they did more so than any of those other people but um yeah no no i agree i mean i think i think there's something to be said that i heard on a different um podcast was like you know 
the beyond, you know, I don't know who would have played opposite Beyonce. I, th- I think at one time Bradley Cooper and Beyonce were both, you know, or it was Christian Bale and Beyonce or something. But you know, the I don't know who Jackson Maine is. Like I don't know, like that music isn't really popular now, and like it's a right. little hard to believe that he's like a such a an important star. And but I guess I mean they don't they don't they don't like double down too much on that. But that sort of doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be happy to see him win for this. Um, yeah. You know what I think it, it, a big piece with Lady Gaga is she's sort of unrecognizable in this movie. Yeah. Um, she's like sort of unmade up for her usual look, which may not work for a lot of other pop stars that don't sort of change their appearance as much as she does on the regular. But I mean, didn't you like, I, I, I have trouble imagining like Beyonce or I forget who else you mentioned, but, uh, or Rihanna or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know that they, those two, they've acted in some stuff. I don't know. They've been in enough things that I could say this for sure, but like Lady Gaga just like found that kind of, I don't know, you that, it, almost improvisational quality, especially in that first like hour date scenes where she's like, you know, it's saying like, I, I can't believe I'm doing this. And that, that stuff was just, I don't know. It just felt so, like she was inhabiting that character, and um, I, yeah, I honestly I do think uh, to pat myself on the back, I think I'm onto something where I say she was like unmade up, so, like she was made down, she was unrecognizable. Like you put any of like pop star in that role, and you won't see past Beyonce or Rihanna or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's a really here, good point. You're you're not seeing Lady Gaga. You sort of just see this character of Allie. And I think that's hugely important, especially in those opening scenes where she isn't famous. She isn't a star. She's just a regular person trying that working as a as a waitress uh, or as, as a caterer that sings at drag bars afterwards. Like, it, you know, it, she felt very much that person. And I think that's that's a huge importance. Like you put somebody that you recognize in that role. You're going to be like, why the fuck is Beyonce singing at this drag bar after her catering gig? Sure. You yeah. Know? It's kind of genius casting. All right, well, let's move on. Let's talk about... Yeah, so just quickly, and, and when I talk about performances by non-actors and casting non-actors, I'm talking about casting a, you know, a, a Lady Gaga, a, a musician in the role of a character of a musician. I'm not talking about Michael Jordan in Space Jam, you know, just a superstar making a movie, you know. So, uh, so other movies that, came, that I jotted down here... Um, first one that came to mind actually was miracle which they cast a bunch of hockey players Mm. not actors for um and then the other one i wrote down is full metal jacket where they um uh cast uh lee emery as the drill sergeant who was actually a drill sergeant and i think that sort of represents the the best and worst of the idea um you know, the idea in Miracle was that we want hockey players and we'll teach them how to act, which makes no fucking sense. Um, that's like that's like was, Armageddon, where we're going to teach the we're going to teach the uh, the, the oil drillers, drillers to, be, to, be to be astronauts instead of the astronauts to be oil drillers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, where in Full Metal Jacket, you know, essentially the story is that he was brought out to consult the actor, and he was so fucking good that they were just like, "You just do it." I mean, um, I have a feeling. Just a side note that 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 was. I have a feeling, knowing Kubrick, that like he I, that that probably that performance probably changed the entire structure of the movie. I mean, if you don't have that character, does that do those first? Does that first hour, you know, on whatever island that is, uh, you know, where they're training to be Marines, is that you know a tenth In as an interesting? Hour long. <laughs> yeah, like do they yeah. do they you know is that movie more actually about being in Vietnam if they don't have him? That's a good question. Um, but that's an extreme example because you're, I don't think you're ever going to get something like that often. Um, Soderbergh did this with, you know, and as a, a, clearly an experiment with Sasha Gray, one of our favorites, um, (laughs) (laughs) in the girlfriend experience. Yeah. Um, you know, casting her in a mainstream acting role. Uh, so I just, I, I don't know. I just find it interesting that choice that directors and filmmakers make when casting um, to go with, you know, the experienced musician over the experienced actor or the experienced hockey player over the experienced actor, or drill sergeant, whatever. And, uh, 
you know, sometimes they turn in fantastic performances. Sometimes they're, you know, nothing to note. And sometimes they can really hurt a movie. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a really good point. I think, I mean, I think what you're talking about is, is a quality. I'd love to know an example of when you think it didn't work because that would be, that would make it more interesting, a little more interesting discussion, but well, miracle is what, and, and I don't know that that's a good enough movie to really be a great example, but like, you know, there's scenes when they're like, great, they're skating and passing the puck well. Like, are they and bad? they don't have to just show their skates. Are they bad? Yeah. In the so, movie? Well, you know, you see them sitting around talking to each other, and it just feels forced. It's not bad acting, but it's not good acting, and it just it it, it hurts the movie in in many ways because. And again, it, it, I don't know that this is a a great example because the movie isn't great all around but kurt russell gives a fantastic performance as her brooks in that movie and he's so far and away better than everybody else right that it's like it just feels out of place well it's interesting because this this was such a uh, clint eastwood was such an inspiration for bradley cooper for m- making this movie and, and he he did that recently with that fifteen seventeen to paris movie where he casts oh, like, the right. real people yeah. in i it. never ended up seeing and that. neither did i um no i think that's a great question i mean i actually just cast a whole bunch of roles to in the bunch of this this big commercial that we shot and it was interesting that you bring that up because like i just think that like some people have and you look for it in casting like some people just have the, a quality you know and it's like not necessarily great acting like there's some people who deliver great you know do the do the audition they read the 30 second commercial and you love them and you cast them and then they show up on the day and they're not you know as sort of vibrant and alive as you wanted them to be. And then there's these people who don't have any experience who then come in and read and you see something in them and then you, they show up on the day and they are, they blow you away, you know? And like, I don't, I don't know why I, you know, that is like the mystery of, of acting to me. Like, you know, you can train and you can do, you know, you can practice and get better at it. But I do think like beyond, you know, more than any other profession or, you know, element of filmmaking, acting is one that you kind of like you sort of just are born with it you know not to, yeah. to put too I mean, much that a happened point to us the... with through the woods we um we cast jeremy and he was born with no so we auditioned uh alex berard to play jeremy's friend in it and like he can, and so i went to college with alex and he you know he actually works a ton with jeremy now in locations in boston um but he wasn't an actor or anything. Like we just brought him in because we he kind of had the right look, and like you would never have seen a worse audition. Like he could, like he was like fumbling and stumbling over like reading the like it was awful, absolutely awful. But you could just see that like he had what was necessary for that role, and we cast him, and he ended up being good in the role. And it, you're right, I think this just you just sort of see something. But my question beyond that is like, so Bradley Cooper didn't do that here with Lady Gaga like it wasn't I don't think like I don't think he had you know Lady Gaga and then Nicole Kidman and like all these people in line and then was like Lady Gaga just had something that worked like he knew that he wanted to cast a musician here yeah sure I mean I think he probably had to I mean I don't know how you do this without well I guess he's not a musician and that somehow works I mean yeah and a lot I mean you know we're gonna talk about uh um first man in a couple weeks damien chazelle's last movie was la la land with gosling and uh emma stone and none of that neither of them are musicians and they sing like sure so i mean i mean it happens all the time i I don't know i and this could be they could be sort of elevating the story to make it more seem more sort of fortuitous and um (laughs) genius or whatever but like i i i think he probably saw something in her and thought she could do it and thought you know maybe even beyond that like this could like the movie could be a statement about her and her career um in a way which i think it is um but yeah like i think i i I don't know the mechanics of it because i mean i think he she read with him um and i don't know i think they had to do a screen test for the studio but anyway it's it's, she's acted before but not in a role anywhere anything like this and yeah, no, I, th- I think it's a it's a discussion we don't have very often on on casting. You know, we always talk about like you know, this person being perfect for the role or this person was great. And I think, you know, the experience of casting is such a sort of personal experience and, and sort of un 
definable experience because like it really is just like what you feel and what you see in that room um it'd be interesting if anybody out there wants to email us feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com about you know kind of that experience of casting and you know how you can just kind of know that this person is the right person for the role or without even you know even just you know tarantino does this all the time where like he sees somebody in some obscure movie and then knows that that's the right person for the role in his but yeah it's a great point it's like how do you know and i i i I think there's better examples than a star is born but like how do you know when you cast that person in like how does this is just i don't know why this is coming to mind but like sofia coppola casting steven dorf in that somewhere movie that she made Mm-hmm. And I think he, it's, it's been a while since I've seen it, but like in an example like that, where you cast someone who in his case, he was like, you know, in these awful movies and was, you know, not doing good work at all. But then suddenly they know he's right for some dramatic role that, you know, you would have no evidence that he, that he could uh, take on. And I think the same thing applies for Lady Gaga. It's like, how, how do you know she's going to be able to handle this movie? And in this case, it was pretty fortuitous because she not only was she good in the movie, but she also helped create this, you know, soundtrack that's, you know, sweeping the country. Right. And you know who else? And this is interesting, too. Who else was really good in this movie? I thought was Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. That's as another Allie's, Allie's father. And De Niro was in the conversations for that role. So, like, I, <laughs> when Robert De Niro is in the conversation for a role and you choose Andrew Dice Clay, how do you come to that conclusion? Sure. You know? And I thought he was fantastic. The only other thing I've ever seen him was Entourage. <laughs> Darling, I think everything looks absolutely wonderful tonight. Ow! What the hell are you kicking me for? Fine, I'll ask her. You want me to ask her, ma'am? Where do the high school girls hang out around here? No, no, you know no, what, no, Matt? No, no. You were fucking off your ass tonight. Where did you uh, learn to do all your I stuff, man? A twirly-whirly. Jackknife, shut up. I took a ballroom class with Michelle. She's the only one I dance with till tonight. That Lorraine is good. Though. You are definitely good. Did you see, even see how she was vibing you tonight? Sorry, man. You know what? You probably could have hit that if you didn't have to take us home. Definitely. It's not like that. Don't give me that shit, Mike. I think she liked you. Tonight. I know she liked you. I really do. Shut up, okay? I know she liked me. I just didn't want to do anything tonight. Yeah, you know what, Mike? Honestly, you should probably wait three days before you You don't have to wait three days. You know what? You should wait two days. You know what? You know what? You know what? I have it under control, okay? He has it under control. Oh, I guess we don't have to worry about him anymore. Our little baby's all grows up. You know what? Shut up. Come on. No, no. Our little baby's all grows up. Why do you up, have buddy? to? Gee, why do you have to? <laughs> I'm not even hungry. I couldn't touch it. Why do you have to? A major production every time we go out and embarrass me. You know what? Oh, God. Jesus Christ. That's what all I have. Our little boy is all grows up tonight. You know what, big boy? You're grown up. You're grown up. Yeah, I did that. Is this a fucking production for you? Because you're grown up and you're grown up and you're grown up. I'm the asshole in the box. Place, right? I'm the asshole. I'm out of here. I'm not eating anything. I wouldn't eat here. I would never eat here anyway. All right. So let's move on to our top five. Top five drunks. Yeah. So uh, you texted me about this, and I was like, uh, Lee, this is a completely inappropriate topic. Um, <laughs> but then you, yeah. then you convinced me that we could do it with. Uh, in good taste and I'm still doubtful that we are but um, let's let's go ahead and do it so did you have any criteria to you know make sure that your list was not offensive or or uh, insensitive in any way yeah so um no (laughs) (laughs) all right Uh, no um I, I have I think I, I think like always in these kind of arbitrary lists that I have a, a mix and like like last week's what was our top ten last week top five Jesus top ten don't do top tens top fives uh, oh it was uh, high school bullies oh high school outcasts outcasts yeah. yeah and I wanted one I wanted a different type for everything so for this list I I, I sort of picked a different type for each each one okay sure how about you um not I didn't have that uh that criteria um they sort of are different um but i did call this my jeff bridges memorial list okay because there were quite a few jeff bridges <laughs> drunk movies yeah and i was like oh boy these could be one two and three so i just called it my jeff bridges memorial list but why don't you kick us off with your number five okay well i'm gonna do take i'm glad this is it because i, I would assume this is going to come up on your list as well but it's um 
it is uh, Nicolas Cage in Leaving Las Vegas. Kind of an obvious pick, but um, that movie's all about alcoholism. Um, and I don't know. I mean, this is going to sound really inappropriate, but I kind of admire him in that movie. He's decided he wants to drink himself yeah, to death. I think you're supposed to, and in he, a way. And he does, and he tells Elizabeth Shue... You can't ask me to. You can't ever ask me to stop drinking. And I thought that was like such an interesting thing to preface the movie with, because you just you know that in this movie she's never going to do that. Like she can't ask him to do that. He's he's told her, you know, this isn't going to be about his redemption. And so instead, you're watching this movie, just kind of watching him, you know, die really. Um, and you know, he's great and kind of perfect for this role. And so yeah, that's my number five. Yeah, that's a great pick. I um, I think you're supposed to like sort of admire him in a way, which is a little fucked up, but Definitely. I think that's kind of the idea. Um, all right, so my number five is a really small part, and you know, I I don't know that you would necessarily call this character a drunk is perhaps a functioning alcoholic, um, and a functioning uh, a drug addict, and it's actually it. it after I wrote it down, I realized that the main character in this movie would have been more suitable. But <laughs> all things being said, I left Matthew McConaughey in Wolf of Wall Street as my number five. Mm, okay. Even though Jordan Belfort by Leonardo DiCaprio probably would have been a better pick, but he was much more of a drug addict. Yeah, he was. But and McConaughey wants that, you know, the martini continuously delivered to him at lunch every day. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great pick because I think he, he begins the the Belfort. Like, yeah, it's routine. his fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Okay. Um, my number four is another obvious pick, which is, uh, that's Rick from Casablanca. Um, the oh, reason I didn't I, even think of that. The reason I like him is because he is like, he, I think he acknowledges at one point that he's a drunk and an alcoholic um, and is perfectly fine and seems like a very 40s and 50s thing to just like yep we're i'm gonna i'm a drunk and this is the way it's gonna be yeah so what are you gonna do about it yeah Um, i didn't even think of him that's a great pick and you know he owns a bar he owns a is it a cafe what's it's a cafe but it doesn't that doesn't really mean the same thing it's yeah he basically owns a bar so (laughs) it's a bar (laughs) you know it's always drinking and smoking which you know yeah typical alcoholic calling it a cafe yeah (laughs) but good thing in real life he wasn't a real drinker and did not die at 57 (laughs) Yeah. Whew. <laughs> Dodge that bullet. Okay. All right. My number four is Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, that's a good pick. I mean, so you once, I think, defined this series absolutely perfectly where you say they commercialized it into oblivion, which is absolutely true. Um, but there's no denying Depp's performance as Jack Sparrow, especially in the first one, which is so funny and so brilliant. I love it. And... Uh, you know, <laughs> he's wondering wh- why is the rum gone is a perfect example of him being a drunk. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he has to like, he's, he goes digging for it on a desert Island. Like that's the worst situation for a, for a drug to be yeah. in is like left on a d- desert Island, but thankfully he's left some behind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, my number three is a really, uh, I think an underrated movie and one that I would recommend everybody go out and see. And it's, um, Denzel Washington, my favorite actor, Denzel Washington, as Whip Whitaker in Flight. I was hoping you'd have this on your list. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, it's a real, it's a real study of of an alcoholic and, um, you know, a, a high functioning one, and 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 I think the turnout of the movie, or the way the movie kind of evolves, it's it's, it's an interesting kind of meditation on. You know, is he is his alcoholism responsible for you know the, the the crash of the plane? And I mean, it's really it is really so much about him as an alcoholic, which is a movie you which is not what you would think from the um, sort of what we know about the movie. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's really really great. Yeah, that was a. I was hoping you'd have that on your list. I thought of that, but I you know I've seen that movie once, and you're absolutely right. It's not the movie like you see it, and it's not the movie you thought you were seeing. Um, but I didn't remember it too specifically, so it wasn't going to make my list. Um, my number three is Robert Hayes in Airplane. Um, 
<laughs> so he, you know, his drinking problem is is joked about. <laughs> he actually just can't get the drink in his mouth, you know. But it all goes back to his days in the war. Um, and look, we don't get enough airplane references on this podcast. No. So, uh, I thought that was suitable. God, Robert, he just has a face that just doesn't. He can't take him seriously. I know. Well, he's so <laughs> and, handsome. And they, I don't get it. And they knew it, so yeah. they're like, "This is a good role for yeah. him." Okay. All right. Well, my number two is I, I when, I, when we thought of this list, it was the first wasn't the first thing that came to mind um, that was leaving Las Vegas. But when I went and thought about it, it was my first experience in life with the under, understanding what a drunk was. Um, and that's uh, Bob Hoskins as Eddie Valiant in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, man. Good pick. Um, he he I mean, he is very much an alcoholic. He like lives in that bar. Um, he, I remember he goes to the tune club and he says, uh, I'll have a whiskey on the rocks. And he goes, I mean ice. And they bring, come back and they give him literally rocks in his, <laughs> in his drink. I remember that very distinctively, but yeah, he's like the, my first experience in, in film with, um, an alcoholic and he eventually quits, which is good and gets his life back together. But yeah, number All two. thanks to Roger rabbit. All thanks to Roger rabbit. All right, so uh, my number two is probably going to be no surprise to you. One of my favorite movies, yours as well. It is Miles Fuck. from Sideways. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry to spoil your number one. Okay. Well, I will change my number one because that was my number one, and I didn't want to have two. Uh, I didn't want to have two. Um, Denzel Washington, although he is one of my favorite actors. One of your favorites. <laughs> on, uh, not, not my favorite, but one of my favorites uh, on the list. But I will put uh, Denzel Washington as Crazy in Man on Fire. Oh, I never saw that. I heard it's really good. Um, it's a really, there's a really nice moment, and it's one I think of often. Um, uh, the character uh, somehow, um, uh, Mark Anthony plays uh, Dakota Fanning's father and he is a powerful from a powerful mexican family and she might be at risk of being abducted uh kidnapped and he asks why uh crazy is so inexpensive as a bodyguard and he says i'm i drink and the way he delivers that and his struggle with alcohol throughout that movie makes it you know that much more interesting and makes of course denzel washington's a brilliant actor that's tony scott right it is what are your thoughts on his resume um, I actually had the thought about us doing a, a podcast of him versus R- his brother Ridley. I think that would be so interesting. Because if you look I, at it... Like, I honestly think he might have the better resume. I don't know. Like, it, So I don't know that... I mean, they both have some real duds, but Ridley has, I think, more. He definitely has more. Made, he's also got made the more, higher... He's got higher but he has highs. The, yeah. Exactly. He has, so it's very... I think that would be a really interesting podcast to do. Um all right, my number one is Dennis Hopper in Hoosiers. Yeah, never um, seen that, but I saw that come up on many lists. So it, this was sort of my the first movie I re- ever really saw Dennis Hopper in, um, and that's more because I saw Hoosiers when I was so young. Um, it was always sort of a uh, a good pump up movie for me right. <laughs> when I was when I was playing sports. You know, nothing like the small town underdogs. So but there's the one scene in particular where. Uh, Gene Hackman gets kicked out of the game on purpose after Hopper tells him he can't anymore and he's trying to sober up and and he has this moment where you know he doesn't know what play to call he's nervous he doesn't know what to do and he finally kind of stumbles into a play call but as the game progresses he gets more and more involved and he gets really excited and there's just you know the Hoosiers music swells and everything is really really triumphant and it's a great scene and you sort of see him sort of overcoming his alcoholism um, but then, of course, if you haven't seen the movie, sorry to spoil that 35-year-old movie, but, um, you know, the finals and the championship comes and he falls back into his, his alcoholism and it's sort of a, you know, a sad moment. He ends up watching the game in, in the hospital in rehab, but he, he plays it so well and it's such a, you know, I, I don't think it's, uh, I think he might have got nominated for an Oscar for that role, but I feel like when you think of Dennis Hopper, you think Easy Rider, you think Apocalypse Now, you don't think of his performance in Hoosiers. Right. Um, is he the, he's the assistant coach? Yes. What, what high and school the, basketball team has an assistant coach? And he's the dad of one of the players. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, he's the, well, he, so basically 
Gene Hackman just goes and gets him and tells him he's going to be the assistant coach. Well, huh. I don't know if he had permission to do that. Interesting. Okay. Cool. I had a ton of honorable mentions. One I feel like we should just mention because I don't want to get emails that we left off Ray Millen from the lost weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, I mean, we would love him. to get some emails. We should have left them off. Well, you. Oh, that's a good point. Why the fuck didn't you do the last weekend? I'm never listening again. Uh, <laughs> at least we can read it on the next podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Homer Simpson from the Simpsons movie. Yeah, that's a great. That's great. I saw Quint from Jaws show up. I guess he drinks a lot, but I don't think of him as a drunk. No, I think of Brody being more of a drunk. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> uh, and then Jeff Bridges in Crazy Heart, or Big Lebowski, or... Um, uh, true grit yeah yeah all of them okay so that'll wrap things up for this edition of the get your film fix podcast we encourage you to email us your thoughts and feedback at feedback at get your film fix podcast.com uh, you can also follow us on instagram and facebook you can like us on itunes leave a rating and uh, give us a give us a review just as we reviewed a star is born we ask that you be little bit more lenient on us than perhaps we were on aspects of that film yep please um next week we're going to try to get to get to first man starring ryan gosling uh and continue on with all the oscar buzz worthy movies as we get through the fall here we're going to do our best to stay caught up uh bear with us we'll get them out there for you um but of course wait to see the movies until you hear our opinions brilliant wait the other way around what if we spoil them well, that's their problem. They should have seen it. But that's what I'm saying. Me. That's what I'm they saying. You just, you just told them to wait to ha- for our podcast. Yeah, but the idea is we want people to like listen to us to get recommendations, knowing we're going to spoil them. All right. He lands on the moon. Oh, you ruined it. <laughs> oh, no, but in this one, he dies on the moon. And so they, they've, <laughs> they've changed it. It's like, it's, like, uh, the, it's like the moon landing version <laughs> of Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.